Hi, I'm Terry Modica, and I want to welcome you into A Pilgrimage of the Soul, a podcast retreat from Good News Ministries of GNM.org. You are entering into a mystical union with Christ based on the mysteries of the rosary for your daily life. This retreat was recorded in New Zealand during a live conference. Let's begin with a prayer to open yourself to all that the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to you. Pray with me. Come, Holy Spirit, renew me. Come, Holy Spirit, fill me. Come, Holy Spirit, teach me. Help me to receive more of the Father's love and healing from Jesus my Savior. Come, Holy Spirit, you have my permission to change me. The third glorious mystery is the descent of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. When he ascended into heaven, he gave us on that first Pentecost of the Christian church the fullness of his Spirit so that we would be empowered to live in his Spirit, to work in his Spirit to be empowered by his spirit to do whatever he tells us to do. He equips the unequipped through his Holy Spirit. He makes adequate the inadequacies in us through his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is supposed to be a personal friend of ours. Sometimes the Holy Spirit is hard to see that way because spirit means something you can't see and it's kind of like floating around out there. But the Catholic Church teaches that the Trinity is three persons in one God. The Holy Spirit is supposed to have a personal relationship with us. He wants that. We were given that in baptism, but we have to live it. We have to consciously say, I want that. We need a new baptismal awakening of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because this is what empowers us to love the unlovable, to carry the cross all the way to the resurrection. We cannot do anything apart from the Holy Spirit, anything good, anything lasting. I have learned that it is so exciting and so wonderful and so fulfilling to be God's minister in the world, to continue the mission of Christ in the world, that anything that I do that does not have eternal value to it, I consider to be a waste of time. Why do it if it's temporal, temporary? If it doesn't have lasting value to it, there's no point in it. (laughs) Ecclesiastes says it's vanity. It's useless. We need to do an examination of conscience every day. What did I do? What do I want to do that doesn't have some kind of lasting value? doesn't build up the kingdom of God. And that's what we go to confession for. Purge those things out of our lives and focus on being God's instrument. It's the greatest adventure there is. You will never feel more fulfilled working for God than what it's like to be God's instrument. You, there's just, I don't know, I'm speechless about it. There's no words to describe what it's like. We all have our gifts and talents our callings, our apostolates. God is a God of excellence. And this world is filled with far too much mediocrity, isn't it? God expects excellence out of each of us. 
the fullness of using our gifts and talents, getting better at it today than we were yesterday, using it under the power and authority of the Holy Spirit. The fourth glorious mystery is Mary's assumption into heaven. Mary is our role model. The assumption means that Mary was so full of grace all of her life that she never succumbed to temptation. And because she was so full of holiness, she did not experience the destruction of death, but her body was immediately glorified into heaven. The same bodies we'll get after the second coming of Christ. The bodies that Adam and Eve were given before they sinned. Mary is called the second Eve. Like Eve, she was conceived without sin. The original sin, the stain of original sin was not on her when she was conceived. She is the immaculate conception. Just like Eve and Adam. They were born before sin entered the world. Of course, the church teaches they're not physical human beings, but they are a theological point to make, a very important theological point to make. Mary, like our first human ancestors, were conceived without sin. And unlike Eve, she said no to temptation. So therefore, we call her the second Eve. And when her time on earth was finished, what she experienced bodily is what Eve was supposed to experience bodily if she had not succumbed to temptation. We are all Mary's children. At the foot of the cross, as Jesus was dying, Mary was there with John, the beloved disciple, Jesus' best friend. And when Jesus said, those famous words, Mary, behold your son, John. John, behold your mother. John stood in there. He was, he was one of the apostles. He was one of the first priests, although they didn't call him priests yet. He was one of the first priests of the Catholic Church. And so just like the priests today stand in for all the body of Christ on earth, all the church, all of our brothers and sisters across the world, when we go to confession, just as the priest stands in for all, John, St. John at the foot of the cross was standing in for all of us. So that when Jesus ordained Mary to take on the motherhood of John, he was ordaining her to be our mother as well. She was full of grace. We know that. The angel Gabriel, when at the Annunciation, announced that. She was full of grace. And what is grace? Grace is pure gift from God, the presence of the Holy Spirit that enables us to say no to sin, that enables us to do whatever God asks us to do. It's the power of God by his free will interacting with our lives. Mary can help us grow in grace because she is full of grace, always was since her conception and still is. I had a vision one time of the Blessed Mother. Um, we were living in New Jersey at the time, and we were having a special mass for unborn children who had been aborted. The, it wasn't just a mass. There was a whole prayer service that went with it, and then we also prayed the rosary for the end of abortion. And we were also praying for the unborn children who 
did not receive love from their human parents and were aborted. And by the way, if any ladies here have had abortions, something I want to share with you about that as an aside. That child in heaven loves you and wants your love. You can name that child. You can name that child and form a love relationship with that child, and that heals you and the child. They want our love. God, in his infinite mercy, is not looking at what you did in the abortion and choosing to have an abortion. He is looking at the love you have now for that child. That child is one of your saints in heaven who prays for you. Same thing with stillborn children and miscarriages. Give them a name. Ask the Holy Spirit, was it a boy or a girl? Is it? It wasn't a was. It's an is. Is it a boy or a girl? And listen in your heart. And whatever you feel you think it is, trust that that's what it is. And give that human being a name. And let them pray for you. Let them know that you're happy that they're praying for you. Give them your prayer requests. This is how we have relationships with those who have died. The communion of saints that we enter into in the Eucharist includes all those who have died. And the ones we have known personally or didn't get a chance to know because of abortion or miscarriage or stillbirth, they love us, they are part of that communion of saints, and through the Eucharistic connection that is Jesus, we have a connection to these loved ones, these people, these saints, the communion of saints. We can ask for their prayers. We can let them know that we love them. But that was an aside that I wasn't in my notes, but I felt very led to share that. Okay, Holy Spirit, what were we talking about <laughs> before that? The vision. So there I was in church, and I was saying, how do these prayers really help those who have been aborted? How does praying the rosary help anybody, for that matter? How does it work? And I suddenly saw the Blessed Mother standing in the church, arrayed in blue, and she was like this, with her hands out. And our prayers were going into her immaculate heart. I saw a stream of our prayers going into her immaculate heart. And going through her outer arms and out through her hands to those we were praying for. And I saw around her feet all the aborted children of the parishioners that we were praying for. And they were, they were happy. They were of different ages, having to do something with their own maturing process. It is through her immaculate heart that our prayers go when we pray the rosary. And it goes out. She purifies our prayers. She strengthens our prayers in her immaculate heart. And out from there, out from her love, her tremendous love, she sends out the power of God to those for whom we are praying the rosary. Mary is our role model. Just as she said yes to the calling to bring the Messiah into the world, we say yes to being, to giving birth, to being Mary's, being her children, 
giving her grandkids by bringing Christ into the world to the people around us. Whenever we say yes to doing the Lord's will, whenever we say yes to continuing his mission on earth, bringing the light of Christ out into the world, we are uniting ourselves to the Blessed Mother. We are uniting ourselves to her fullness of grace and to her personal support of us. And the fifth glorious mystery, Mary's crowning as queen. She is the queen of heaven. She is the queen mother for us. That makes us princesses. And what is the role of a king or a queen? Jesus explained that a king, a true king, is a servant. He lived the life. Christ the king lived the life of a servant. A queen or a king who is of the kingdom of God, in God's family, in God's kingdom. A king or a queen is someone who has the authority to give the people under his or her rule the authority to live a better life. Mary, as our queen, has the authority to help us. And one thing that Mary's always doing, always, 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 is pointing us, pointing others to Jesus, her son. No, we don't worship her. We know that. She's always pointing us to her son. That is her role just as it's our role, to point others to Christ through the way we live and what we say and the way we treat others. Christ in the Eucharist is the source and summit of our Christian life, our faith. We can draw upon the strength of Christ in the Eucharist to grow in healing, to grow in giftedness, to grow in excellence. No more mediocrity. How many people are now saying, no more mediocrity in my life? I don't see everybody's hand up. (laughs) Hallelujah. No more mediocrity. We reach our full potential in God, and we are going to strive for that every day, aren't we, ladies? We are people of excellence because we belong to a God of excellence, right? And the Eucharist is our source and summit, our our source of energy for that, our source of healing for that, our source of wisdom for that. Whatever it is we need, it is Jesus. If you can get to daily mass, go and get more of that. When I wrote my first book, the one on overcoming the power of the occult, I discovered why I needed to go to daily mass, and that's when I started because there were demons who didn't want me to write this book and to expose them. I was having all kinds of problems, interference, blockages, writer's block, and other things that would get in the way. When I started going to daily Mass, all that ended. By receiving Jesus in the Eucharist daily, it was like putting on a shield. And if you can't get to daily Mass because of your schedule, ask the Lord to make it possible for you to go to daily mass. And guess what? He's going to change your schedule, so get ready. (laughs) Because he knows how much it will help you. And he loves to be united with you. 
You are his beloved, and he loves it when you come spend time with him. If you can't go to daily mass, spend some time going over to that church where he is waiting for you in the tabernacle. You are his beloved, and he wants to spend time with you, and that Eucharistic presence of Christ is the most powerful. It is, it is the connection between heaven and earth, between the normal and the supernatural, between the ordinary and the extraordinary. Let us pray this together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Oh, my heavenly Father, I give all of my life to you in the name of your Son, my Lord Jesus Christ, and through the power of your Holy Spirit. I have heard you calling me, and I choose to follow where your Son leads me. I want to help others find their way into your kingdom. I want to serve others so that they can experience your love. Use me. Use the hurts and sufferings I've endured. Use the talents, the resources, the time, the experiences, the spiritual growth, and everything else you have given me. Use me. Help me to love all people unconditionally, to reveal Jesus to others through me. Help me to grow in my desire to love all people. Today and every day, help me to decrease so that you may increase in me. Help me to love purely, humbly, and generously. Show me how to receive more of your love so that I have more love to give. Heal me of every obstacle that holds me back from serving you. I give you permission to change me. Here I am, Lord. I want to do your will. Amen. You've been listening to Terry Modica of Good News Ministries. For more faith builders or to learn more about this ministry, come visit our website at gnm.org. You'll find online resources and lots more to help you know the Father's love and grow closer to Christ and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Visit gnm.org today.